course, um, now I'm going to show my age. It's not 72, but um, about 35 years ago, I think it was the first time I came in this church. I was a student. I was, not, I, I was just 18. I could hardly speak the language, and Doreen and uh, Colin Blackman were the pastors here. Of course, Colin was on the mission board of Assemblies of God, and my husband and I met at the IBTI, and then we were pre uh, preparing to go to Spain as missionaries. We were there for about 17 years, and Colin main, uh, came many times to Spain to visit us. So great connection. So it's a great privilege to be back here, see uh, new faces and old faces. <laughs> Before I start to share with you God's word, uh, I wanted to just show you a clip of the IBTI and just tell you a little bit, so you see a little bit of the story. Um, it explains itself better than I would. Those two years at IBTI have really opened my understanding of the Bible. Uh, I've had the privilege to meet with amazing ministers, lecturers and missionaries from across the world, from whom I've really learned and their experience just inspired me to serve God with all my heart. that I believe has affected my growth in Him was through creative ministry. God has opened up my heart and opened up my mind so much in how I understanding my value, my identity and my purpose in Him. ABTI is a transforming life, life's change. Since we came here, our relationship as a couple is, has improved a lot. We have been together and uh, we had to really uh, be more and more close in order to get through all the things that we had to do, like uh, studies, uh, outreaches, etc., etc. Working at IBTI is a privilege and it's a wonderful way of being able to contribute, even in a small way, to the 70-year history of IBTI. We live and work in the presence of God where you can really sense that permanent presence. And not only that, but I get to invest in the lives of students who come here. It's an international environment, and so we have students coming from all over the world. And God has given me the opportunity to use my gifts and abilities to invest in their lives so that when they leave here, they, can, they are prepared for whatever God has got for them next.
Okay, if I was to connect this to what I'm going to share with you this morning, it would be sharing with you how much um, preparation there is uh, before a journey. Uh, our students come, they spend one or two years with us. They have not, often I sit with them, I do a lot of one-to-one -one with them, and often when I sit and speak with them, they have not even a clue of what they, were, <laughs> what they will be doing. It, it's, they know they, uh, God, God's call is on their lives, but they, they are not clear what is ahead. And yet, the year or two years that we spend together, they are um, focused on preparation, on preparation of what is to come. And this morning, I wanted to share with you exactly uh, about what is behind the scenes. I want to take you a little bit behind the scenes of your own life. We often uh, think that, you know, the day we are born, that's where life starts. Um, sometimes I, I say to the team at the IBTI, when the students arrive, don't think and don't treat the students as if they are born the day they arrive at the IBTI and they die the day they leave the IBTI. Because <laughs> there's much more to them than we can see. Uh, we see them, they arrive when they're 18, 20, 25, but there is a life before and there will be a life after. And um, I have discovered the importance of seeing things behind the scenes. Today you have come, maybe it's the first time you come here this morning and you, you see um, what there is with your eyes and uh, you, you see this building, you see this hall and you, maybe somebody has met you at the door and what you perceive is, is what you can see from the moment you arrive in a place. And yet we often miss all the preparation that has been for something. Preparation is very, very important, but we rarely see it. Uh, maybe you have not, uh, you don't know that this has been actually somebody's dreams for f 40 years. Maybe you've been here just four or five years and, or 10 years, and yet you don't know that this place has existed before you. You don't know the intentions behind. You often don't know what the dreams were. You know, sometimes when we arrive in a place, we see things that are in front of us, but we don't realize that that which we are witnessing or seeing can actually be somebody's dream that has taken them 40 years to, to, to make happen. And there is something that we need to understand, and I would like, I'll do my best to share it with you, about God. Because we often think that our life is down to the day we are born. Well, you know, you would, who would debate or who would, um, who would uh, probably argue with somebody that says, this is my life. I, this, is be this belongs to me, I'll do anything I want, and this is about me. Um, of course I'm the greatest witness of my life. Or, of course I'm the, the one that has to say the most about my life. Of course I've got the most right in my life, because my life is about me. But actually I want to tell you that there is a, there's something behind or before your life that you have not quite maybe captured and it's all the preparation that God has made for you to come to the place where you are today. I want to talk to you today about being created in love. Being created in love. No, we didn't create ourselves. We weren't that clever. 
<laughs> I have studied pedagogy, which is the, the science of, of education, and I've worked with children for many years. I've worked with little, little children, very, very, very young. And you know, when the child is born, he doesn't even know who he is. We are not that clever. We are, not that, we are not the answer to the world. We may think that we are the bosses of our lives, but actually we are related to somebody else. We are the fruit of somebody else. We are the, the creation of somebody else. And I just want to very, very simply this morning share with you about who is telling the story. You know, my husband and I, I've been married for t 32 years. You saw the, ve the most handsome man at the beginning of the video. That's my hubby. He's from Scotland. So if you hear the accent, it's his fault. So there's a mixture of Italian, Spanish, and Scottish. Hallelujah, amen. <laughs> Fantastic combination. <laughs> but you know, I've been married 32 years with, with the same husband, yeah, with my husband. And um, but we have story. We have many stories, but it's interesting. I've got my stories, and he's got his stories. But when we are with friends and with people, um, we can't help starting. I start his story, and he goes to me, that's my story. <laughs> and uh, why is it important to, for you to tell your story? Because when somebody, say, when somebody else tells the story, it's not quite the story. So many times my husband starts to say the story, and I say, no, that's not how it happened. I'll tell you, I want to tell you this morning, before I go any further, it's so important who is telling the story. It's so important who is telling the story. Are you telling your story or God is telling your story? Oh, you know, that I have noticed the more I grow and the more I come into knowing God, I've got one story, I've been telling one story, and God has been telling another story about my story. Wow! There's like discrepancies here. Like my husband and I, he starts to tell the story, and I think, that's not how it happened. How can you? Yeah, that's how it Well, I was there too, and this is my story. Can I just continue to say it? I wonder if sometimes in the middle of our lives, when we are talking about our lives, God says, that's not like that. That's my story. I created you. I was there from the beginning. You haven't quite got the story because you didn't get the millenniums before. You didn't get from eternity to eternity. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You don't know the story. You are very limited. Can I tell the story? Can I say to you today, are we going to let? Shall we Because he's got a big story to tell us yeah. this morning. Shall we let him tell the story? I want to tell you, shall you, will you allow me to tell your story from God's perspective? Will I just take a few minutes to tell you the story, your story, not my story, your story, but from God's perspective? What is that story? You know, God is sovereign. God is love. You know, part of my story is that uh, we married, I married quite young. I was about 20 and a half. Yeah, quite young. <laughs> Long are the days. <laughs> Long gone are the days. And uh, we got married. I came from a big, the typical big Italian family. Uh, there are about 70 members of that family now. C crazy. If you've seen my big frat Greek wedding, or something like that, you've seen my story. <laughs> and I came from a big church, 
big boys around and I studied pedagogy because I wanted, I love children with all my heart. I wanted to base all my life on the education of children, plus I have a big family. And then John came from a massive family himself. We went to Spain in the middle of nowhere to church plant, so we didn't know anybody. And after a couple of years, we wanted children. And when I was just under 23, in a, the children weren't coming, and in a doctor's office, Across the desk, I was told, Mrs. White, you cannot have children. And my world collapsed. And after, I won't go into that because that's a testimony itself in my story. But I remember we went through a period with my husband. They, you know, the, the, the frustration, the, the frustrated desire. A young couple, we used to sit and say, but, oh, we want children. Why? We used to cry and we used to... Oh, just see God, and we believed in God. We've done it all. We've got all the T-shirts of it. <laughs> and we, we used to search our hearts and say, why do we want children? Why do we want children? Is it because we have to show something? Do we have to demonstrate anything to anybody? Is it because everybody else wants it or has them? Do we have to be like everybody else? Do we need somebody when we are old? For goodness sake, I was 23, you know? For when we are old, they can look after us? Or is it because we're going to leave us the legacy of the two million? <laughs> uh, you know, we haven't got pay, um, a penny to our name. So what is this? And you know, over a period of time, we discover that there was no reason. Love wants to create. Love wants to create. You can't pin it down. You cannot find a reason. There is something that love goes beyond yourself. Love is not satisfied within yourself. And the first thing I want to tell you is that the story, your story, from God's perspective starts with your creation. But you see, God didn't create you. We hear so much today about God created us with a purpose that can actually distort our way of thinking, that we were created for a reason, to fulfill something. Of course, we fulfill, love fulfills. Love finds a way. Love meets the needs. Love heals the heart. But actually, God had no reason to create us. Acts of the Apostles says, that, who is he that he should... Uh, why would he need to create us? Why would he need to, to um, give a reason to our being? Why would he need when he had everything at his disposal? He didn't create us to use us. He didn't create you to fill a hole. He didn't create you to serve him even. Because we've got this distorted. Of course we serve. But we serve out of love. Because love serves Love gives, love fulfills, love fills the empty need and, the, and meets the need. But you have to understand that in the heart of God, in creation, it, there was pure love. Love that creates. You know, God had at his disposal the whole heaven to worship him. But he created you and me in love. The first thing of the first part of the story of your story is that God is your creator. But you see, creation 
says much, much, much more than just you coming into being. When it comes to the relationship with, uh, between parents and children, you know, parents have the custody of their children, we know, and custody can be lost. Um, you can make certain mistakes that make you lose the custody, but the custody, or where before custody was called in Latin patria potesta, which was the sovereignty over the children. There was that um, authority and that privileged a position to be leading this child and to be, uh, can I say, governing this life until that life came into few, uh, full maturation. When I want to, um, what I want to share with you is the fact that God, in creating you, is not just looking at an event in time, but there is an intention and there is a something that connects you with him because all the resources of your life, all the abilities of your life, all the gifting of your life were actually in him before in order to create you. You know, when we look at, copy, uh, when we look at copyright or sovereignty, you know, when you invent an engine or when you create something, you have um, sovereignty over that product. What does it mean? It means that that product that you have created belongs to you. It's yours. But you have created it. Why is it your privilege about everybody else? Because those things that you created, you cannot say that they, you have gathered them from outside. Somebody can copy them, but they cannot get to the having that right because you can say that that product was inside the creator before it was outside. Are you, understand? Are you with me? It means that all the resources, all the knowledge, when you create an engine, when somebody creates an engine or writes a song, all those words, those feelings, those um, emotions, the knowledge, the resources, and when you create something, even the re material resources, to be able to created by the right things and put it together. But the wisdom and the knowledge is first in the creator and then it's transmitted to the thing that has been created. You know, I want to tell you, you are not just you. You are carrying God. You are carrying God. The story, see, your story about your life is I was born on such and such a date and, and I don't, I'm not really good and I haven't done much. But I want to tell you, God's story is a different story. God's story says, I have created you and you carry inside of you all there is of me. Oh, wow. You know, I want to tell you, we haven't even begun to tap into the potential of God's life in us. I don't want to say our potential because we can become very possessive of our gifting. But I want to tell you, we haven't even tapped into the potential of God's life in us. God's life. It's God's life in you. So the first thing that you need to understand about this story is that God created you. He has, out of love, given you life. But before, there is a lot, there is a big story. You know, there is a story of 
thousands and thousands and thousands of years. There is a story of a God, the Bible says, that, can, can, that has created all things and all things are sustained by him. There is the story of a God who, before the foundations of the earth, he made provision for our mistakes. There is a story of a savior 2,000 years ago that came and died on the cross for you and me. See, your life is not about just the years that you live. Your life begins in God. Your life begins in the wisdom of God, in the love of God. Oh, you know, until I came to realize that I was created in love. When I started, when I came and realized, to the realization that my life didn't begin with just appearing one day. When I look at my parents, my parents are elderly. They're in the south of Italy. My dad is 92. My mother is 88. We are six children. And when I look at the life of them and the life before them, they came, they got converted from uh, uh, they were persecuted when they were converted from Catholicism in a very, very um, difficult time in, in Italy under the dictatorship. And uh, when you read the story, when I hear their story, I rejoice because their story is my story. <laughs> you know, sometimes in our society we become so individual, so individualistic that we are missing the story of God. We are missing his story. You know, you can look. I'll tell you something with all my heart. You may look from now till the cows come home and trying to find your identity in yourself and the answers to life within yourself and the greatness in yourself. You will not find it. But if you look at God, if you start to look at his greatness, his love, his power, and you start to associate almost, put yourself in his life and say, your life is my life. My journey is part of your journey. Your journey is attached to God's journey. There is no such a thing as your own journey. We are all interpersonally related and God has created a world that he loves, but we need to look at him to find the answer. The second point of this incredible love and incredible of sovereignty of God is actually provision. You know, uh, in uh, Hebrews, uh, well, first of all, Colossians uh, chapter 1 speaks about, it says that he sustains everything by his hands. Everything that has been created, he created all things and he sustains them. And the story of God, is, the, sto the story of your life, but from a God perspective, is that he created you in love. That's his story. You may see one thing, but he sees another. You know, it's like parents and children. Don't they? They see quite <laughs> a little bit of a difference there. But God sees your life from his perspective. Did you know that? Maybe you have been trying to say, Lord, do you understand me? Lord, can you see that my life is wrong? And God says, I can't because I see your life from a different perspective. <laughs> Maybe we need to come more into what he, he sees than what we see. Um, 
if we, I, I would advise you, strongly advise you, if you continue to look at life from what you see, you will not be able to do this journey with God. Life is about understanding what God sees because he has the full story. He has the story complete. Our, our window of uh, what we see is very, very limited. So the second part of that forms this love of God or the sovereignty of God is actually maintenance and provision. You know, God provides. God not only created you, but the Bible says that he sustains everything with his hands. He sustains you. Do you believe that God sustains you? Do you believe that God actually not only created you, but he provides for you? Well, you know, sometimes the vision of what we see, as I said, is different from what God sees. You know, I like to, I've sometimes seen the example of children. When I was working with children, you know, the typical scenario, the, the baby, the boy, two years old. Have you ever seen a, a, a boy going with a dad to the supermarket or to the shopping, to do the shopping on a Saturday? You know, let's look at perspectives, okay? The stories of the two. And the dad that gets the trolley, he has got, uh, he just takes the three years old, he's left the four and the say, six years old, and the three months old at home. And he goes shopping. He enters in, he takes the biggest trolley there is in Tesco. Not the medium, not the, the biggest, you know, the multi... <laughs> and he starts shopping with the three years old. And... This trolley gets filled with the most exotic things, like from nappies to bleach, <laughs> very exotic, to masses of uh, uh, washing powders and products for bacteria and more and more nappy. Ah, and toilet paper, of course, very, very exotic. The whole thing is, is, is full of this stuff, and there's this little boy that stops at the at the line of the lollipops and chocolate and says to dad, I want a lollipop. You're not getting a lollipop because we're going to have lunch and, you, and by the way, you've already eaten 10 this morning. <laughs> I want a lollipop. People are gathering around, you know, they're passing and you say, uh, no, I'm not going to get you, are bad. I don't want you, I'll eat you. Uh, he can hardly speak. He already hates dad. And dad is saying, oh, I will tell you. And then the lady goes, oh, you, you know, you're smiling at the people next to you. And this child challenges you. You are horrible. I don't like you. You don't give me. And then this young man who just a few years before, he had, you know, the six packs and he had a motorbike. And then he had to sell everything because, of course, you know, we had to buy the house and... And anyway, can we see the perspective? We are looking, he's looking at one story, and the father is looking at another story. And the story is, I give life to you. I, before you were even born, 10 years before, 20 years before, my life started to change for you. And everything you are, everything you have, I sustain it. And you are looking to the lollipops, but actually I hold everything that gives meaning to your life. You know, sometimes I know it's funny, but sometimes we can be like that with God. 
we see one story. We see our story. We are so limited in our perspective. And yet the Bible says that he holds everything. He holds everything. I want to say this morning that if God decided to take his hand away from under the earth, from under the cosmos, from under the universe, there would be no sustenance. It is God who holds the axle. How can you say? It gives sustenance. We are in him. When we think, God, where are you? Do you, do you realize that the universe sits in the bosom of God? Do you know that God is not somewhere? God is all around us. We, he gives meaning to this. Because he is, we are today. Because he is, we sit where we are. And anyway, everything we have belongs to him. You're sitting on a chair. All the resources, you know, sadly, we haven't brought anything. We have modified a few things, but all the resources that we use every day, God already placed them for us. I just want to tell you that sometimes we sin of arrogance with God. We sin of arrogance with God. We make our own life and then we think, I, I travel a lot and I go in places where people are not where we are. And when I find the attitude of saying, I have worked hard for this, this is my right, inside of me something really cringes. Because even to work is a privilege today. Even to have, to be able to speak today and say, this is my need. It is a privilege. Many don't have that. Am I trying to be dramatic? No. I'm trying to tell you the story of God about your life. This is a different story. The third element of this incredible love of God is providence. Now, providence, of course, is a, is a um, concept that we have kind of abandoned in theology, but theology, uh, uh, providence is, is a theological concept that actually the Bible is full of. And it's exactly what I was speaking before. Not only creation, but providence means to provide in advance, to prepare for. As I've told you earlier, I trained as a children's nurse, and one of the things that our teacher bombarded in our brain, of course, with the revolution of education, which Maria Montessori did to the whole education system, it was based on the fact that children learn through the environment. And so gone were the classroom, the great classroom with no stimulus, and in came the preparation of environment so that ch the children could be stimulated and could draw from the, what they saw around them. But our teacher, I remember my teacher always telling us, love is shown in preparation. Prepare, 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 prepare. When you prepare, the child feels loved. If you spend today in preparation, 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 tomorrow you will hardly have to do anything. Have you tried ever to be five hours with a child with nothing to do? Prepare yourself. <laughs> I have learned to work hard the day before in preparation because when the child comes and you are prepared, you can actually sit and have quite a good time. <laughs> preparation. You know, sometimes I, I use this example. I, I, when I travel, 
um, I go to places where maybe Stuart has been uh, very good. He's uh, written to me, he phoned me a few months ago, said, Eliana, would you like to come? And then a few days later, he sent me an email. And then a few weeks later, he sent me another email. And this is often, you, through that, you can see that message of preparation. It's quite a nice feeling, actually. You're helped. You are you're feeling the time is coming. You're feeling welcome. You're feeling cared for. And sometimes I go in places, and before you ring the door, the door opens. Or maybe they've written to you six months before, then three months later. Then after three months, it becomes every month. Then the last month, it becomes every week. And then the last week, every day. And the last day, every hour. As you're traveling, are you there? We're coming to the airport. And you think, oh, wow. This is like you're flowing in. But then you go in some places. <laughs> some places are different. You know, it's happened to me a couple of times when you arrive and you're actually there. And you ring because there's nobody arrived to meet you. And they say to you, oh, is it today you're coming? <laughs> and then you get into the room, and the room is not ready. And somehow, somehow, they may tell you, we're really so looking forward to see you. We love having you here. But that message somehow doesn't quite get there. I want to tell you, we have lost sight of the concept of um, providence. But the Bible is full of the providence of God. One of the books that possibly speaks to us best about the providence of God is the book of Esther. See, providence is, is something that you can only see in retrospect. That's the only thing about providence. You don't see it because it happens behind the scenes. So you can only see it when you're through that experience. That's the only... Ah, Nag, <laughs> snag, is the only uh, problem with that. But we have abandoned the concept, the theological concept of providence. But it's one of the most powerful in the life of a believer. Do you or have you witnessed the providence of God in your life? You may not see it in future, but I want to say to you that if, you, if I asked you to stop and look back, not look in front, front of you, but look back, you would be the first to stand up here and say, I can see how God brought me through this, and he prepared this, he prepared that, and before I knew this was waiting. You see, the problem is that we are looking too much to our perspective. But we can't see what God is preparing behind the scene. That's why I said, we have one story. God has got another one. You know, I tell you as a personal testimony, when I have started to see not only my future, a lot of believers today are driven by a secularism that looks ahead. I want to tell you, I want to challenge our lives, guys. Many Christians today are following secularism, which means look ahead. But I tell you, one of the most powerful things that we have is to look back. When I started to look, not today, I don't stand today and look at the future and say, Lord, what am I going to do? I look back to my life. I've learned to look back and look back at the uh, providence of God. 
I live on the providence of God. I witness what God has done in my life until now. And I could talk to you about details like missing a train and getting late for a flight and God using things to bring me to this place. Providence is something that maybe we don't want to relate too much because people use the word in a wrong way. We think it's about the providence. You know, there is some God about there. Um, and so many have used it in the wrong, with the wrong definition. But looking at the character of God, providence shows you a life from God's perspective, but also it tells you what the character of God is. You know, we need to be basing our lives more on how God works than the now, what's happening now. If you stop and look at what's happening now, you will have one narrative. But if you look at the character of God throughout history, and may I say, you will need to go even beyond yourself. In order to understand the character of God, you cannot understand it in 50 years of history. You, have, you will have to do a journey outside of yourself and see how God dealt with the people of Israel, how God dealt with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, how God dealt with David, how God dealt with Moses, how God dealt with your parents, with this church, what God did. Then you can start to base your life on the character of God and not on a daily perspective, which sometimes is our very downfall. The Bible is full of events and situations that could easily be interpreted as random incident, but it takes the revelation of the love of God to see them as deliberate actions and intentional desire to love and show love and to care and show care. As I said before, one of the, char one of the characters that most speaks about um, the providence of God is the book of Esther. You know, I just want to tell you one little narrative, her narrative. This is Esther's narrative. I'm sure most of you know the story of Esther. If not, I would encourage you when you go home, read it and look at the narrative of Esther, her own story. Her own story is she's a refugee. She's an orphan. She's a victim of circumstances. The girl is taken by force. She is taken, she is controlled, she is threatened, she is forced into a situation. She is loaded with a unique and heavy burden. She is compelled to risk her life. In conclusion, when you read the book, when you know the, her story, when you hear her telling her story, these are the words that she could be telling you. And it could be about a random life forced and pushed by circumstances, loaded by foreign burdens and lost in a whirlwind of people's needs, demands, and burdens. Does that look familiar? Do you feel like that at times? A random life pulled in many directions. That could be easily your narrative. That is the narrative of Esther. That would be the narrative of Eliana. If I told you my story, you would put your head, your hands on your he head and say, my goodness, what a horrible narrative. What a miserable life. And it's true, it's full, of, it's full of burden and full of big issues. But you know, there is another narrative about the life of Esther. And the narrative is that where 
She speaks that she is a refugee. There is a journey. God sees a journey. And where she sees, I'm an orphan, God sees she's adopted. And when she sees, I'm a victim of circumstances, she, God sees you are an influencer. And where, God, when she, where she sees, I am taken, God sees, I am, you're chosen. And where she sees, I am controlled, God sees and says, you are hidden. And where she sees, I am threatened, God says, you are tested. And where she says, I am forced into a situation, God says, you are being molded. And where God, maybe Esther says, I'm loaded with a terrible burden. I have to risk my life. God says, you are uniquely positioned. And when Esther could have said, I am compelled to risk a life, I'm forced to risk a life, God says, you are coming into understanding your calling. This is the narrative of God. There is a narrative that can come of your life and can come out of your life and you can be so taken by it, so, so closed. Your eyes can be so closed on it and, and that's all you can see. But I want to tell you this morning from the bottom of my heart because it's my life story. I saw one narrative and God saw something else. See, it is important who tells the story. I can be telling you this morning, I can come with a testimony of what I have been able to do. I have trusted today to, for God to tell my story. Yeah. Because I would tell you in one way, I saw for so many years certain things just like Esther. And God, in retrospect, started to show me what his narrative was. In 1998, and this I want to conclude, there was a movie. It's called Life is Beautiful. I don't know how many of you have seen La Vita Bella in its original Italian language. Follow the heart, it won Oscars, and it's a big, I would advise you to watch it. It's a beautiful story. And it follows the heartwarming and heartbreaking extent that a loving father, Guido, goes to shield his young innocent son, Joshua, from the genocidal horror of the German Nazis' occupation and the demonic onslaught known as the Holocaust. When taken with his son and wife to a concentration camp and asked by Josue, little Josue, what kind of place is this? He hid all the truth to the child. He saw a different story. When little Josue asked, what is this kind of place? Guido replied, this is a fantastic place. Pigeons fly, women fall from the sky. I am moving here. He told them another story. With enthusiasm as his paintbrush and unconditional love as his spectacular spectrum of paint, Guido can paint a picture and tell a story to Josue that has got more to do with his love for him than for the circumstances around the boy. The movie ends with, with Guido being killed. And Josue and mom are delivered. And jo little Josue never knew that he was in a concentration camp. 
Because the father had the ability to speak his love story in the middle of the most excruciating circumstances. I want to tell you something today. Even in the middle of excruciating circumstances, this is more about the, the story of God's love for you than your own story. This is more to do with what he has in his heart for you than what, with whatever you will ever experience. Who are you going to let this story be told by? Are you going to continue to tell your story? Or are you going to let God tell your story? I have decided many years ago, I made a commitment to the Lord that I wouldn't be looking at my story from my perspective. You have to allow him to tell the story. He can see better. He has the origins of the story. He has all the parts of the story that you cannot see. Will you trust him this morning? Will you trust his perspective? Let's, uh, let's all stand, shall we? Will we trust God's story for humanity? Will you trust God's story for your life? I just want to take a couple of minutes want to give an opportunity to somebody. What have you seen until now? Have you only seen what you see? You only see your perspective? If you want to close your eyes for a minute, just to allow your mind to focus, and just decide this morning, uh, very simple, without emo no emotionally, but decide in your heart. Will you let the author tell the story? Yes. Will you?